This card could represent a person you know or will encounter or some aspect of yourself that is present or to call upon now. The Knight of Swords is a sharp-minded, direct and idealistic person. He is a great problem solver and debater. He is rational and doesn't let his feelings drive him. He can be headstrong and impatient. His communication is very direct and often piercing. <laughs> and that's... It doesn't scroll any further. <laughs> what do you mean? He, it's not going any further. He feels passionate about his own ideas and will spare no one's feelings in getting his point across. Although he is very intelligent, he often jumps to conclusions. That's it, I think. Yeah, that's a short card. Revolutionary, philosophical, impatient, rushing, explorer, debate. How do those things resonate with you? Literally none of them. (laughs) (laughs) So so when it says represent a person you know or will encounter, so do you think maybe this is someone you're encountering that you're not seeing yourself in this card? Yeah, it's it's like someone that's forthright and and like doesn't lead with their emotions. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not you. That's not me. Did I get it wrong? Should I pick another card? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's uh maybe, you know. Show, show me the yeah, show show it to me again. Yeah. Okay. He's a great problem solver and debater. I am a moderately adequate problem solver and a horrific debater. (laughs) But I mean, like, maybe it's not school debate, you know? Maybe it's, um, you know, you're an actor and acting is some kind of debate, right? With reality. (laughs) (laughs) With reality and time as to, like when you should actually get a real job <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're constantly debating with your rational mind yeah i think everyone creative has to though right there's like a constant war inside your brain as a creative person yeah he is rational and doesn't let his feelings drive him well that's not that doesn't suit me either it's, like it's, yeah it's, it's not really an actor he can be headstrong and impatient i'm impatient yeah I don't have any of these good traits. <laughs> I've just got all the shitty ones. Maybe as an actor, that's what you're supposed to act as to get the, the, the job. Maybe that's the thing that you're supposed to call on. You're supposed to call on a, a more philosophical, less whatever person that was. <laughs> no, this is like very rational. And um, yeah, I guess you have to have a certain self-confidence um, in front of the people that you're trying to convince to give you a job. Mm. But that self-confidence doesn't stay with you 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 you're always trying to be yourself but with an extra air of surety Mm. in front of like casting directors or i think it's like the same thing as you don't want to um like when there's a scary dog and you don't want to like act uh, scared of the dog because if you do the dog will instantly know I that's, think there's that's some, right I think it's like that with acting I feel like if you're going yeah. in for an audition it's like you can't put off that energy of like oh please don't eat me dog because even if you yeah. think it the dog knows that yeah. you're scared of it a little bit yeah you try and think about anything else other than having your calf ripped off by the dog and you, you look at the dog and the dog looks at you and the dog sizing you up going are you what what's going on and dogs can see right through your soul they're like babies. 
Oh, can babies see when they're assaulted? If a baby, if you smile at a baby and it just stares at you, it is the worst feeling. You're just like, oh man, it. This, there is nothing like getting shot down by a baby. You know, you try and you try and let it, and it just stares at you, and then like, like sort of turns away into their parent away from you, and you you feel like. You feel like the biggest idiot. You, f you feel like you shouldn't be around children. <laughs> I just think you shouldn't stress too much. Maybe at that point, the baby's eyes can only see like blobs. And, like, no, they know <laughs> what they're doing. No, they, they, yeah, they can see that you tried and they're like, I don't believe you. So the ultimate in, because your yeah, kids don't have that filter right. Like they'll tell you if something sucks. Yeah. So it's like if they're, yeah, if they're disinterested in something, they're like out. That's it. Yeah. There was, there was a great acting um, lesson that I got when I was doing this sort of, uh, it was like every Saturday, just this sort of youth theater thing. And our teacher took us to see like the kids performance, like during, during the day, they, the kids like younger than us had a performance on and they were terrible because they're children. Like they were just standing there, like waving at their parents and not caring. And we were like, cool. Do you, do you want us to be that that bad? <laughs> and she was like, no, but look, look, they don't care. Mm. They're up on stage. They don't care about anything. They're not inhibited. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. You could have maybe explained this. Before I had to sit and watch this children's play. <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> but hey, I guess she had to fill up an afternoon. It's, yeah. It's, they're... <laughs> It's like going to going to school and the teacher's like, all right, we're just going to watch Behind the News. <laughs> Remember Behind the News? Is that like Media Watch? Kind of, for kids, yeah. It was during the day. It was on at like, I want to say like 12.30 and it went for half an hour and it was great for teachers because they'd just sit a bunch of fourth graders in front of the TV and it would explain the news of the day. I don't feel like we got TV in primary school as much as we got in high school. I feel like the in high school the TV was wheeled out a lot more, or TVs were in the rooms at a lot by that point. I feel like in primary school we didn't get the joy of like. I feel like maybe you'd all go to the library as like a collective, you know, you'd all watch something on the projector in there, but you didn't get to watch. I don't feel like I got to watch it. I didn't feel like I had a lazy teacher who wanted to just slap that on instead. I had teachers that, man, I had one teacher that sat and made us all sit and listen to Harry Potter. Um, listen to it like as in she would like read the book to us all and we'd all sit there and like I wasn't into that teacher and I'm still to this day not into Harry Potter because of it I think what, like, was, what was her subject that was like you know it's in primary school so it's like that's your teacher the whole time so it's like one afternoon they just sit you down you have to just sit and listen to her read Harry Potter and you're like man screw this little kid I don't like this dude wow mm. so you, you learnt the only lesson you learnt was that you don't like Harry Potter yeah, I feel like that was the lazy thing that of that class. Like, I'm just going to read this book that I want to read <laughs> to wow. the class. Like, I'm just... That's... So I'd rather than wheel in the TV, man. That feels like it'd be way more interesting. The TV came in a lot in high school during Christian education because I went to a, a Protestant school and they had to teach us some, some Jesus somewhere <laughs> to get the funding from... to get the funding from the church and just to keep everyone sort of happy so yeah like even even during like vce 
we had to have a class where some poor bastard had to try to convince us that God existed. That's great. Like we had a, I was at a Catholic high school as well. Same deal. Religious studies could You're be You're at like, Catholic high school? Yeah. I was at a Protestant high school. So is that, that's bad, right? We're on opposite sides of the fence here in terms of education. Dif- two different types of videos getting sent around. Uh, hey, that- look, it's, it's nothing on me, but uh, historically they don't get along. <laughs> But what I'm saying is they also did this religious ed that you could do until VCE. It's like, who the fuck is going to take a block of their VCE out and do like religious studies? There was, there, was, there was like a couple of kids at my school and they got like ducks. <laughs> they did really well. And no one knew that they were like, I, I have my suspicions. I don't think they were very gaudy. I just think they wanted to get like best marks in everything. Does that have like one of the curves? Because like I picked all the ones that are fucked in the curve, like the arts and the things like that. Yeah. So, whereas I feel like religious studies, because no one's probably doing it, they'd really like tip it. I'm okay. sure it wasn't. Yeah. Well, this is a good point. If not many people are doing it, yeah, I don't know how it was. But we um, but in like the teacher started just showing us Fight Club, <laughs> but it was it was under this weird guise of being. Uh, what masculinity is so he like in the early years he was like here's jesus here's the stories um you know it's just good to know for you know literature and stuff and i'm like well that totally makes sense you know you you read shakespeare and there's a whole bunch of jesus in there but then he started showing his fight club he's like right so here's what this scene is saying about masculinity and he kept pausing it. We're like, what are you doing? This is 45 minutes. Just let's, let's go. Wow. But I don't think it was like, it wasn't even like, this is toxic masculinity. I, yeah, I wouldn't even think like that, that into the lexicon That yet. wasn't in the lexicon. I didn't know what that, that wasn't a thing. It, it, but we were just like, why are we watching Brad Pitt and Edward Norton fight each other? <laughs> And we, we'd already seen the movie. Points for topicalness, though, because that must have been like... He was trying. Yeah. He knew that we were a bunch of heathens, and he had to do something, mm. I guess. you got to show him that Hollywood action, you know? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. He could have showed us, like, Passion of the Christ, I guess, but... Yeah. There's a little theatre in Geelong that, like, before... <laughs> it used to be the theatre you'd go see all the movies as a kid, and then the village came in and ran out of business. Then... Some Christians bought the place and every Easter they would like play Passion of the Christ because I think that was the deal with Village. It's like it wasn't allowed to be a cinema again, but they were allowed to screen Passion of the Christ in this old cinema for like years. They just did every Easter. Wow. That's... It's now like gentrified apartments now, which is a real shame. Well, is it? <laughs> is it a shame? Well, I don't know. Maybe that Village deal was going to expire after like 20 years or something that eventually it could have turned back into like a cute little thing and then instead it just became big open plan living. Have you seen Passion of the Christ? No, I actually haven't. I have not either. Have you Have you seen it? <laughs> Mal's the only one who's seen it. She's off mic. Mal, what was it like? Uh, uh, brutal. Jesus gets whipped for, I don't know, fucking what feels like two hours and I just remember a woman crying hysterically in the movie theater wow traumatic yeah we kind of know how it ends hey (laughs) like that's a real sort of titanic of a movie you're like i want to see how what happened what did he do to get crucified that's actually pretty funny because i'm a big james cameron guy but i don't think i've seen titanic in full 
So because it I, mean, I think it's a, you're exactly right. It's it, like it totally sinks. I kind of know what's going to happen, Meh. But you know, at one point I'll sit myself down for the full four hours or however long oh, the two VHS tapes. You don't, huh? Did we? That's where I feel like I half watched it. I don't think we got all the way through it though. That movie's long, man. It's a long movie, and yeah, I don't know if Titanic's super rewatchable. I don't. At least once in full for me. Hey, fuck, we haven't started the show properly. Welcome to the new Fucky Tarot Lady. Uh, my guest today is Doug Lyons. Doug Lyons, is that your real name? Is that is that what I call you? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you've been so... I don't want to dox you on... Can I dox you on this or cut it out? What's your... Because your Instagram name is not your name. No, it's my two middle names. What? Yeah. So, my name is Douglas Vincent Rhodes... Lions, and so it's a fucking baller name, man. That's like some English castle name. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if this is interesting. Like, is it's not interesting? How, it is interesting. Why is anyone named? Yeah. So, you, have you done some research on this? Do you know? Have you done a tongue yeah, swap? Like Vincent was just put in. Like my dad just put it in, because someone, some other old Jamaican guy had it in his family. Um. Yeah, so I think my passport has a different name to my license to something else, depending on how many middle names I want to chuck in. Whoa. But were they all given to you at the one point when you were born? That was it, yeah, I had four, four names. Because of the Catholic thing, I got the fourth name added in, in like grade six or whatever, do you confirmation? So, yeah, what's your confirmation name? Ignatius? Hell yeah. Yeah. So what's your full name? So my full... Catholic name. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's you. not on any passports or anything. But uh, yeah, in the eyes of God, my name is Rory James Ignatius Beforth. Wow, that is the most Irish name. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just because like, yeah, Rory people like instantly are like, where, what part are you from? I'm like, nah, it's the Anglo version, like R-O-R-Y. <laughs> like, nice. No, yeah, it's just like full Anglo. What's the Irish Rory spelling? I think it's like uh, A-U-R-I or something. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I feel like if you've seen Rory's over here, it's like they're all the anglicized versions. Okay, so that's the the Gaelic? Yeah. Spelling not the gay or Gaelic. (laughs) Exactly. It's Gaelic and Scottish is Gaelic. (laughs) Dude. I never did the tongue swab. I'm just like, I'm just, I just know that I'm a white dude. <laughs> a stolen from, land. From, that's, some, yeah. from somewhere cold. Yeah, that's it, man. Like I just, uh, I could tan a little bit in summertime. Hey, good for you. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You, you rock a tan. I'm looking at you. You tan, man. Well, my dad's, my dad's family's Jamaican. Yeah. So let's, let's break down this name. <laughs> let's break down the name. There's, there's nothing really Jamaican. Like Jamaica's, um, but they're like Portuguese, Spanish. But there's been, like, my family's been in Jamaica for um, maybe, like, f- four or five generations. Whoa. And they're all, Ju- like, Jewish. Whoa. Yeah, so I had, like, I've got, like, ancestors called, like, Emmanuel and, um, you know, other very J- Jewish names. I don't know. <laughs> Ezekiel is <laughs> probably... Yeah, that sounds, I literally can't think of one. That sounds other, pretty <laughs> biblical, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so they've been they were in Jamaica for ages, and then who came over to Australia? Dad, dad came to Australia in the seventies. Whoa, when he was twenty five, and then my 
grandfather followed him. Um, yeah, he yeah he came here and he wrote he landed in Perth and then rode a motorbike across the Nullarbor, hit a kangaroo on the way, was passed out on the road like his face was completely fucked up like there's photos of it and he's unrecognizable it's so bruised and swollen um a car found him on the road picked him up took him to hospital and that couple later married him to his current wife like he stayed in touch and they were like a jewish couple whoa yeah and when I was also studying at this youth theater, the guy that taught us contact improvisation, which is just a sort of weird kind of dance thing, <laughs> he's the son of this couple that picked up my dad on the road, which only found out like like a year later. So they were they were both on the Nullarbor at that one point in time in the 70s or whatever, but yeah. they've both had like spawn that have ended up in Melbourne. Yeah, doing, doing like weird freak out theater. <laughs> And then taught me. <laughs> it's a crazy coincidence. Let's get into that because actually... Is that interesting? <laughs> it is. It really is because it takes us straight to this, to acting <laughs> techniques and learning and exercises and things like that because I find that fascinating. Like as an actor, how do you train yourself? How do you learn, learn new skills? Like how do you kind of improve on what you already know? Like I'd like to hear more about that. Um, Even if it is weird dance improv exercises or whatever it is. Well... Yeah, how do you... I, I guess everyone does like a certain training at some point. Some people go to drama school. Um, I didn't get in. <laughs> Where did you apply for? Like, actually, yeah, you're sure. right. Maybe we should go back a little bit more in time. So when did you first kind of get that acting bug? When were you like, I'm going to have a crack at this? Uh, I, was, I was a pretty weird kid in school. So... Yeah, my I was I had like really low discipline, so my mum put me into karate classes to try and <laughs> I had really low discipline to try and teach me discipline. Who, which, what kid doesn't what, like everyone has low discipline as a kid? They're just like little psychos. Yeah, some some aren't. <laughs> some kids are pretty focused. <laughs> so she gave she put me into drama classes and karate classes, um, and yeah, and then I just did drama through like high school and then I was playing in bands and stuff in high school and then like early uni and I went to I went to my cousin's wedding like six months before I was gonna finish uni and I met this girl in New York I was in I was in St. Mark's place because I wanted to see the Led Zeppelin building the building that's on the front cover of Led Zeppelin's physical graffiti, right? <laughs> and I was standing there looking at this building going, wow, this is some New York famous shit. And there was an, uh, it was an op shop, like a vintage clothes shop called Physical Graffiti, like at the bottom of this massive building. And it was the 4th of July. It was hot. And I'm like, I'm going to go in this place. So I'm looking at all the, um, the clothes. And I was with a bunch of guys from the, the hostel and they were going and I went up to the girl behind the counter. And I'm like, hey, what time do you close? This, this place is great. I want to come back and buy some clothes. And she was like seven o'clock and she was from New Zealand. And she's like, you're Australian. And I was like, you're from New Zealand. And then I asked her out, which I've never, I've literally never done that ever. 
ask out a stranger from the thing. Like, never. That's like some crazy travel confidence. <laughs> you know, when you travel, you're like, I could be anyone I want. And like, you know, sometimes it fucking works. And she was like, yeah. And she took me out to Coyote Ugly and McSorley's and like all these amazing places in New York. And we ended up dating for like two weeks. I was meant to be in New York for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It was great. It was amazing. And she was studying at, um, at the Neighborhood Playhouse, which is a really famous acting school in Manhattan, started by Sanford Meisner. And she was my age. And I was like, wow, she's from Wellington in New York. And it sort of was like, oh, fuck, maybe I could like go back to acting because I was studying science and I was pretty bad at that. <laughs> like I was bush bashing my way through that. And then I finished and then... Yeah, so I came home, finished uni, and then a mate of mine's sister was in Underbelly at the time, season one of Underbelly. And I, I just sort of asked her and was like, hey, how do I do this? And she was like, well, I teach this course. You can audition. And I auditioned and then I got in. Yeah. So you got into that one. You said you didn't get into something else. What was the thing you didn't get into? Yeah, I didn't get into like NIDA and Whopper. <laughs> Which, what's Whopper? Whopper's, Whopper's in Perth. Oh, Western something. West Australian arts performing. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Screw them. They didn't even want the talent that you are. They so. didn't want me, man. Yeah. They all said that I needed more life experience. Is that what they said? That's that's one of the that's one of the gentle ways they say that they don't want you to be there. <laughs> so like if you came back a year later and you're like man i've been to like 17 countries i've been like shot at i've like done all stuff and they're still gonna be like and if you're still uh, a shitty actor they're like well you need more life experience <laughs> but those those schools like 2,000 people audition and only like 20 get in whoa so it's incredibly competitive and what it does is it sets you up as the life of an actor to just have constant rejection with like incredible odds stacked in front of you yeah but there's there's something that happens in drama school the they really they really support like a, a very small amount of people so you can be in drama school and think you're the shit because everyone's telling you you're amazing and then there's all the other people that are just sort of doing their thing and not getting the massive roles in that school but then when everyone graduates you're all in the gutter Right. Only only like maybe two people get like amazing agents and then go on to like you know, they're they're just on the magic carpet ride to Hollywood. You know. But so people graduate drama school and they've got this like you know, real shoulders back and their their voice is really sort of rounded like that because um <laughs> they've been given voice lessons for three years and when they talk to you, they're really looking at you and really listening. And they're really interested in you. And they don't sound like fucking people anymore. <laughs> Until they get so many rejections, they're like, oh, I gotta fuck this industry. <laughs> so it sounds super similar to film school as well. <laughs> yeah. People get out of film school and they're like, I'm so good. My, my movies were great. But like you said, it's only that like top, top tier, you know, yeah, like one or two people that like go on to actually like you hear that they actually do and stuff. And you're like, oh, that person's doing stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they and don't yeah. have to kick shit like right after they graduate yeah. you know they keep acting and whatever but um but yeah i i uh so my my teacher was this like 
five foot uh, old lady from New York that um, that put the fear of God into us all. She we did it in at the Dog Theater in Footscray, which I don't think exists anymore, but it was just above a cafe in this art space. Like the dancing dog, like that. The dancing dog. That was it. Yeah. There used to be an acting class no, there. Or? There was just a there was just a, a room upstairs. Right. And so we would go in there for like twelve weeks, like five days a week, and just she would teach us the Meisner technique. And what is the Meisner technique for listeners? And sorry if that puts you like at a mass, like you got to think, fuck, I got to think about the principles or whatever, whatever you learn across those weeks. But what's the kind of basic, cause there's like Stanislavski as well. And there's, and there's method or is that one of those two things? Yeah. Like- yeah. So they all came from Stanislavski. Stanislavski. I'm such a shitty actor. I can't even say his name. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> um, but, if you want to do that, go do year nine drama if you want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Go do theater studies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the yeah, that, or the Russians back in the day were the really good actors and they came to America. And the Americans were like, wow, these Russians can really act. Teach us how to do that. And then there was that was the Stanislavski method and the method acting, which people think, people think like Daniel Day-Lewis is a method actor. Yeah, or Jared Leto, you know, not getting out of the wheelchair. Then they're not. That's that is that is not really method acting. Method acting is more um, to do with how you emotionally prepare for a scene. So method acting, they will get you to draw real things from your life, right? So if I have to cry in a scene, I have to actually think about a time when I cried. And mentally build that scenario in my head, you know. So like, oh, my my cat was put down when I was a kid. All right, so I'm I'm in the, yeah. What what did the what did the vet look like? And you know, what did it smell like? So you're going, you're taking yourself back to a place to try and relive this trauma, which is <laughs> fucked, <laughs> and and is actually not, um, you know, the the people that first taught this method, uh said it wasn't a great idea but there are actors like paul bettany still uses that like he keeps like traumatic things right at the surface to access those emotions which i like acting is make-believe it's not it's fucking it's not like people take it so seriously like it is dressing up yeah it's it's very funny because you're right like there, especially on the spectrum of actors where you're right, like you've got Daniel Day-Lewis on one side and you've just got like Adam Sandler who can like sometimes blow in and do like a good dramatic thing, but most of the time he's just phoning it in, like doesn't really yeah. give much of a shit. It's like, yeah, man, like it's nice that there's... But a- Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis is, he's like staying in a, a character's voice or something. is just easier because if you flip in and out of accents, you're probably going to fuck it up, right? So if you just stay in accent, then... It's just like keeping a costume on, like, which I'm sure he probably would do too. Yeah, oh, like he, 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 I mean, he takes it really far, which also means that he needs all that to sort of trick himself. Whereas some actors don't, like Brian Cranston on set was just, you know, he'd shoot the shit about baseball, and then he'd go into some like super intense scene. Mm. Like that's arguably a better actor. Because he doesn't need all that runway to get into character. 
Yeah, he didn't need to like build his own house or whatever to yeah. to like or like pull out his own tooth. Shia LaBeouf, looking at you, mate. Oh man, that like <laughs> that guy. Oh no, I don't know. You don't need to do that shit. Like you, I mean, he needed to, but you. I don't know. It's it's that shit that makes pe- people think that actors are fucking nuts. It's like no, Shia LaBeouf is fucking nuts. Like most people know that it's just a job. You know, yeah, they're but, not taking it super personally. They're not taking it home with them. Yeah, so me- method acting has a lot to do with like you know using real trauma, whereas in the Meisner technique and a lot of other things, I think you you just kind of use your imagination. You know what makes you sad? Well, you know heaps of stuff makes me sad. So you just kind of imagine that, or you look at the scene and. But how's that different to accessing specific trauma? Like if you're still making yourself feel upset or you're still kind of like putting Because yourself... it's not real. Uh, it's not based on anything that actually happened to you. So like with Paul Bettany, he has to specifically think of like the dead cat each time yeah. and he keeps the dead cat around in his yeah. brain or whatever. Which doesn't really work because you get over stuff, you mm. know? And who wants to be like traumatized for, <laughs> for someone who'd buy you a $20 move ticket? <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> Just make shit up, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's as simple as that. I think you could you should be able to get in and out of character a bit without having to, you know. Yeah, and play also it. It, it it takes you out of the scene. Like if you like James Dean, you know people. So some controversial shit here. He was a method actor, right? He was taught the method. So in you watch um, any of James Dean's movies, and he's the only person in the scene. He's not listening to anyone else in the scene. They're all acting around him because he's not actually reacting off what he's been given. Mm. He's given a line and then his brain goes somewhere deep down inside him, does way too much. So you watch a scene and it's he he's he looks he's like the only person on on screen because everyone else is just like trying to act around him. Right. That's not great. It's fascinating. It's called, we call, in Meisner, it's called the pinch ouch thing. Like, you only say ouch if somebody actually pinches you. So, you know, you can only give the reaction that, you know, th- that... Um, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, you, yeah. yeah, you need to be pinched to say ouch. And if if you're playing your own thing in your own little universe and, the, and like, you're not listening to the other actor, it's not going to play. It's just going to be, like, two yeah. people... What, what I got lines. from it was the listening thing mm. and not planning your performance. Sorry, I say performance. It's performance. <laughs> A friend of mine the other day, she was like, <laughs> you say performance. I'm like, oh, fuck, I do. And yeah. did you do it this just then? I, yeah, I've been doing it the whole thing. So what is it? Performance. I say performance. But don't worry, like Benedict Cumberbatch says like pinglings. So P- it's like... Yeah, pinglings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think performance is not nearly as bad I, as pinglings. I can't believe the director or the engineer wasn't just like, hey man, in this whole documentary about penguins, maybe you could say the fucking animal, right? <laughs> I just had a feeling it was like on The Simpsons, you know, where um, Krusty runs into the sound booth and like just flicks through the cards and then runs off. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it's like they had him for like half a day. He's like smashing through that pages of dialogue. And no, then one's, like, no one's too famous and too big to get away with pengling or penguin. <laughs> Something stupid ping, like penguin. that. Penguin. <laughs> I think Ping-win. he says penguin at one point as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know who else is a shit actor? Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm taking everyone down. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis, James Dean. Yeah, you're like going up to the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So anyway, tell us more about weird improv games because you do improv, right? I've seen the post on, you do Sundays, you do improv, right? Yeah. So does, is that a part, how does that fit into method is the um it the doesn't. yes and the ability to kind of like go with the flow <laughs> that must they must go together right yeah pinch out like you know people are pinching in uh, yeah in improv yeah definitely the um uh doing doing improv will make you a better actor because it makes you <clears throat> uh flexible mm. and um you need to be flexible on set because everyone has their own way of you know acting and um, you know, doing Meisner class was good with other people that were doing Meisner, but you get on set and you, you know, somebody might be doing like a method thing and you have to sort of take care of yourself, you know, make sure that you can prepare properly. And then you, you don't also want to like mess up somebody else's thing. You know, it's like watching it's like watching someone that does karate do MMA. They get their ass kicked because mm. they're just doing karate. So, whoa, was that like the smartest thing I've seen? <laughs> I, I'm interested now. So, which acting styles kind of equate to which fighting styles? Because that's a cool analogy. And now that we're kind of in that, I want to kind of. Oh God, I don't. Uh... So it's like. In terms of, like, are there more acting styles that are more faster and looser? Ones that are more rigid and kind of, like you said, like... I, I don't think there's too... Like, look, I've... I don't even get into Whopper, so... I only... I don't know much about acting styles. <laughs> you know, I'm not... <laughs> but more like, say, like you said just before, when you kind of, like, are on a set and everyone's kind of got different approaches. Yeah. How... Are some acting styles maybe not as tolerant of other acting styles, or yeah, you know so what I mean? Is the it method, like- the method thing is not tolerant of anyone else. Mm. Like Marilyn Monroe was being taught method acting, and I think on her last movie, she was a fucking pain in the ass. They couldn't get her out of her trailer because she was sitting there trying to like remember some massive trauma, and she couldn't get on set until. She was completely immersed in this world, which makes you a, you know, it makes you a shittier actor uh, and not a good teammate. Mm. You know, like set, like my, my set experience is, is very small and you've, you've been there for nearly all of it. And I've been very impressed by your performances, though. Like that's you know that's that needs to be said on record <laughs> really? as well. By the way, whatever you whatever you know practice or studies or whatever, it, like it works because you do. You have to like people forget that it's like you're there to do a job. Everyone else is there to do a job, and you need to nail it. And it's like you know the the pressure on you blowing a take is like yeah. oh fuck you don't want to be that guy, and it's yeah. only going to then potentially give you the yips or something and then you know like it's it's like this thing so it's like you got to be on a roll you got to be switched on you got to be listening to everyone else you got to be like aware of like new direction if it comes at you as well like it's a, it's a lot and then you got to fucking hit that mark on the floor but you're not supposed to look down like that 
<laughs> that for starters is already like pretty impressive when you can nail that shit. Yeah, the look the 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 course that I did the Meisner course that I did with that lady, um, it definitely gave me a lot of discipline to not like fuck around. Which you lack? Set. Which you lack discipline? Well, yeah. Now I've got a lot of discipline because you know I had some four foot lady from New York, um, scare the shit out of me for twelve weeks. But yeah, dis- discipline on set's really important to not like fuck around when it when the director talks to shut up. You know, like it, yeah, I think it's wild on, on set sometimes when people are talking, when the director's trying to talk, like that's, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the character, do you want to talk about Rusted On? Yeah, I would love to talk about Rusted On. So the character, the character that I do, um, he's a mix of. Colin Lane from Lane Owen Woodley. Oh yeah, you were telling me this in the car the other day and yeah. blew my mind. <laughs> and and the main character from British Empire, who was also the hologram guy in Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. Yeah. It is those two characters because in, in Counter Girls, the the last season that we did, Susie, who plays Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah, yeah Sarah and Bianca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Susie has to do, has to be me for a second. Like she gets like the the badge of power. And so Susie was like, how do you do, how do you do your character? And I was like, um, yeah, basically just watch these two TV shows and steal everything from them. And that's, that's it. So I don't know if there's a lot of acting technique going on in Rusted On. I'm basically just mishmashing two characters. <laughs> That's it's so awesome to hear, and it's the same as like when you would um, get the behind the scenes Simpsons stuff, and they'd be like, "Oh, how I developed the voice for Wiggum is just it's this, but it's yeah. a little bit of this," and it's like, "Oh wow!" And it, but then over time, like all of those animated characters or any character, like takes on a life of its own. Like eventually, it's. Yeah, you could see that it has those links back there, but it kind of just starts running and it's its own thing. So, how did you feel like your character evolved? Because like this is three seasons worth of TV now. So, it's like yeah. by this point, do you think you are still those two things or do you think it's kind of changed or evolved? It didn't evolve at all. <laughs> Doug has not learned anything across. No. <laughs> like, going into that character, I, I, get, I actually think... Yeah, there are differences, and I certainly had to like rewatch episodes to just sort of go, what was I doing? Um, but if you look like the same guy, you can you can get away with. <laughs> if your hair hasn't changed very much, yeah. If you're wearing a blue polo shirt and you have the same dorky haircut, you can pretty much get away with, you know, changing your performance a bit. Um, but yeah. I get a lot of mo- I get a lot of monologues in that show. Yeah, I do the setup a lot. So the fir- at the start of the episode, it's sort of my all right team character's job to give like all the exposition. So Ryan, the director writer, he you know, <laughs> he just write like this half page monologue, and I'm like, alrighty, let's let's do this. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that's so impressive is like being. For starters, getting getting on the mark and nailing that, everything's good. You're in focus. You're going to do this giant 
kind of spiel. Yeah. And then in the middle of that, you might get like, a, oh, actually, maybe change. This word's not working. Maybe change that word. And it's like somewhere in the middle of that. It, it totally happened. Yeah. And it happened on the, the short that we did as well. So it's like, how do you... where? Because <laughs> my brain doesn't have enough like RAM or whatever to be able to compute when that would happen like how do you it's not easy like i'm not like (laughs) it's like it's hard for everyone but yeah i guess when you get to that point you start um yeah you just have to fuck i have no idea it's so funny talking about acting because it is it's 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 esoteric or ethereal or some kind of you know it's it's kind of dumb like it's not (laughs) it's not like you know it's not rocket science there's nothing it's just sort of it's funny i guess that's interesting because when we were chatting in the car the other night on our way to turnstile you were saying that it's easy and anyone could do it but i'm like no i I 100 percent believe that and i think that's really funny of an actor to say because i think seeing it just was like no fuck man that's really hard like it's really hard to do so what makes you think that it's easy like because in the class that i did i saw some people that weren't maybe that were a bit greener mm-hmm. um, for lack of a they lack life experience yeah they lack life experience and I saw them become incredible actors by the end of it like wow. it, it's just it's just learning what to do and then I think I think talent is mixed up with taste so you know like you could be a great guitarist but it doesn't mean you're going to be a successful musician mm. because your taste in you know what you put out as an artist might not be to everyone's liking and i think that's definitely sort of the same with acting and then there's some people you just you like to see act mm. you know there's just some actors that you like you just like their face you like their choices and then there's some that you just really don't want to see in anything they're great actors i don't want to see them and that's just you know you just got to sort of cop that and that that's that's most of i believe getting rejected for acting work you know it is i mean yeah you could be shit (laughs) 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 like you know I've, i've i've had really shitty acting moments of course but sometimes it's just you know the client if it's an ad or the director just going, no, I like, I like them better. Yeah. And that must be a tricky thing too, because you're, you're right. Like it's such a subjective thing. You are, um, you're kind of performing for what you assume someone's going to want to see or that what their tastes are. You might not even know this person. That's another note I wrote down here as well was casting director versus director. Cause that was something after we talked last time, it's like, oh yeah. So for you, it's like casting director all the way. Like you've got to nail that. Yeah, they're the, they're the first they're the first sort of gatekeeper. Yeah. So you've got to have um, you got to be on the casting directors' um, books and sort of on their mind when they get the brief. And if you're not, then you don't even see that audition. Hmm. So getting that that is the hardest thing. Like acting school and everything. They're like they don't actually <laughs> they teach you how to play pretend which we all know how to do because we did it when we were kids. But then you get out into the real world and they don't tell you that you won't get auditions. Yeah. You could you could know how to do Hamlet 
but you won't get auditions because the casting directors don't know who you are. And also, you're going to be doing a lot of, if you do get auditions, they're going to be TV commercials. And the acting for most TV commercials is standing there with a product and smiling. It is not acting. It is making faces in second increments. Mm. So, yeah, five seconds, look at the product. Five seconds, look up at your partner. Five seconds, look out the window. Like, it's just practicing smiley faces and turning your head in different directions. Like, and if you if you need to, like, make up some story to do that, then, you know, okay, you, you can get more out of it. But they they don't teach you this stuff in acting school that it's just... You know, that people finish acting school and they're like, yeah, I'm ready to go in the industry. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, well, hey, like, good luck to you. But, you know, if you can sell paint and stand there as like the dad, the funny dad, that's that could be it for a while. Do you get funny dad? Do you go for funny dad? I thought you'd be too young looking to Dude, play dad roles. I get, I get young dad roles now. Whoa. And I'm does, not, how does that make you feel? Like, does that make you feel like I'm so old now? Oh, dude, like, I'll, 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 I'll fucking take anything. <laughs> <laughs> when people, when people say, oh, you're an actor, so what kind of acting do you do? I'm like, yes. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. You know, I once, I once went for a role and the, the character was called nose pick guy and and in the audition there was a chair and a box of tissues under it and i had to sit on the chair pick my nose then pretend to look up at the jumbotron in at like the footy and be like caught out picking my nose and i went in there i don't, I don't even know what the product i was, was about to say is this for a commercial or is yeah, this it was, for- it was for a commercial i have no idea what they were selling this would not have worked post-COVID, by the way. No. <laughs> they would not let you do that anymore in an audition. And uh, I went in there and I I picked my nose for Australia. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't, want the, I didn't want the job and I didn't get it. But I was like, that's all I had to do is like pick my nose and look shocked. <laughs> and I didn't get it. Like, that's not drama school. Like, no one... <laughs> all my years have taught me. Yeah. And it so brought me like, this moment. It's like, oh, I can do Macbeth, but... I can't pick my nose on camera the way somebody wants to. <laughs> oh man, I guess, I don't know how, if there's any other good segues, but we've got to ask about, yeah, how do you deal with the rejection of that exactly? Like you've just kind of summed up this hectic part of the job where it's like, man, you're going to go for a lot of stuff and just not get callbacks or they're just not going to look at you at all the way that you kind of expect them to. How do you, how, how do you guard yourself from that? Or how do you kind of, convince yourself it's like hey man next time maybe next time will be good like yeah you, you forget about it straight away <laughs> but that's it you you literally maybe have something else on during the day mm. so you know if I, if I if i go for an audition at like 11 in the morning you know make sure that i've got something else to do later that day something to look forward to um you just you forget about it straight away like, I, I couldn't tell you I, I I did a self test today, and I can't tell you the product. Like I've, I, you just put it, you send it, and then you just, you just forget about it. What's your self test set up at home? Like, do you? Ha- it's pretty ratty. <laughs> <laughs> and what are they expecting to send back? Like, what kind of file format? What kind of size? Like, what does it need to be? Like, is it usually like a couple of seconds of you on camera, or do you have to like introduce yourself at the start? Like- yeah. So so there's like the introduction 
How uh, many names do you give them? No, just, nah, just Doug. <laughs> oh, no, Doug Lyons, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you got to stand there and name age and agent. Um, they go for about a minute, I think, each scene, sometimes a lot less. But you, you can do like 17 takes and obsess over all of them. And then you're only allowed to send like two. So the, it takes sometimes ages to format your things. So to, would you do like a safe option and then like a, yes. a bit more of a, a zany option? Maybe? 100%. But what I've learned now, and I don't know, I don't even know who's listening to this, <laughs> but um, get your lights set up, get your audio set up. And then send them the first two takes you do and then forget about it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to get better than that. It's just not going to be- get better. So what do you think about, say, like um, people like Kubrick or David Fincher where they're known... <laughs> I don't have an opinion on these directors. No, but they, they make you do like 50 takes because they reckon that by like the 50th take, you know, there's well, some... See, from, but wouldn't... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wouldn't you see, just from be what tired? I've, from what I've heard with... Kubrick it was to stress the actors to get them to do something honest and real but Fincher it's like a picture you know he's trying to match up the camera movement with like a hand movement Mm. so like Fincher will still do like one take you know he's not I think his 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 multiple take things from what I understand from watching those video essays on YouTube which I'm sure we've watched the same ones yeah yeah for sure is is about like more of the camera movement and the picture, whereas I think Kubrick was just kind of a dick. Oh, I was under the impression Fincher would wouldn't mind dicking up the uh, actors in his in his films either. But maybe you're right. Maybe he's just trying to get that perfect movement of everything. Or yeah, I think it's to- more more picture in in that. Like I've look doing a lot of takes. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it sucks. You know, I've definitely been on set and asked for another take. And you've got to make sure that that take is better because <laughs> sometimes it's not. Um, but, you know, doing multiple takes, like, you know, on Rostered On, like the last season, there was there was multiple takes of like some big, big sort of monologue stuff I had. And it's kind of fun if you're not precious about your performance. So like, if you're just like, if you just approach it like with um, interest in what the director has to say, then it's exciting to try to get that. You know, if the director says, can you try and do it like that? You're like, yeah, I wonder if I can. Yeah, cool. All right. You know, I'll, I'll try that. And that's where like having that improv background and being malleable and not being precious and just trying stuff out will, will sort of, you know, every every actor's sort of got an ego about their what they do, what they show. But it's also, you know, really fun to get a direction. Like, I love being directed because mm. it's always something that I haven't thought of. I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if I can try it like that. Yeah, sick. Let's try that. And that sounds really interesting. It sounds like that's an acting style that I feel like there would be other ones where you wouldn't be up for that. You wouldn't you wouldn't have that kind of flexibility when there's it some, hits you to be like, oh. some directors, there's some actors, some famous people that don't take direction anymore. <laughs> like I've heard, you know, I've heard um, Samuel L. Jackson will, he just refuses to do some setups. But the thing is that he's such an experienced actor 
that he, he already knows these setups aren't going to make the edit. Mm. And he's usually talking to a director that's directed maybe four movies. Samuel L. Jer- Jackson has... I don't know. How, how many movies has he done? Over, like over 100 like at he's, least. He's made like, the most amount of money in Hollywood. Like box office out of any actor oh wow yeah i guess the marvel movies must help bolster that too and then Tar- even, even tarantino before, movies even wow, before yeah. that like he he is the most experienced actor but so what you're saying is is that if there's like a wide and then a close and a this and a whatever he's like i just don't like you're not going to use this in the edit so i'm yeah. not going to do it yeah that's baller and he's samuel L. jackson so you can tell anywhere everyone to fuck off <laughs> so what does that mean do you just ask for like all right i'll be in the wides and then you can do a close-up or something or medium close and then that's it i'm not doing anything else is that what you mean like he's yeah. just not gonna bother being in all the different like yeah i guess it's it's it yeah i guess it's more for coverage but um but a, a, an inexperienced director would just be like let's just get everything yeah and then we'll just see what we'll see it we'll see in the edit and then you're right that's just wasted time for yeah Samuel L. we could be back in the trailer yeah totally yeah amazing it is it is brutal sometimes when you think you're doing a really good job and the lighting's just off so that take is just done but you never you never know your best take like you have no idea like the stuff that i've watched and i'm like i thought i was like really spaced out in that take and it was good Oh, like you, that's why it's so important to have a, a director because you don't know when you, you think sometimes you're being good and you, you, you're sucking. And is that a part of it too? Is if when direction comes at you, that's the ego being calm enough to be like, all right, cool. Yeah. I need, I do need to do something different because maybe that other yeah. one wasn't so good. Totally. Even though I thought, could you, would you be thinking of that moment in that take sometimes that? It's like, oh, you know, it was good. I, I nailed that. Like, and it wasn't totally, yeah. But this, this is where the, the acting training, the the Meisner class I did with this, um, lady from New York. This is where that discipline <clears throat> really came in because we would do stuff in class, and we thought we were the shit. You know, we were crying and we were doing this and we were like acting our little hearts out. And she was like, yeah, I didn't believe when you did that, and this doesn't really make sense, and people don't behave like that, and doing this thing with your head like no one does that and you just have to so and you're like got tears running down your face and you've set up this big activity and you're like okay because she's right because she's the audience mm. you know so it doing doing that training I, I really think you need an acting teacher that um doesn't destroy your soul which a lot of them do <laughs> <laughs> um but isn't pumping your tires up so much that you you um, think you're invincible or you think you're like yeah. god's gift to acting or something so right? when someone says that sucked you, you just have to take it with like you just have to laugh about it and just go mm. yeah okay like i did a t like the first big thing i did was a tac ad and you know I did. How did you in the audition process? Did you have to be all bloodied up or something, or did you have to be pre-car crash? Like? I was the I was the driver. So, oh no! So I was the guy that did it. So I had to, uh, yeah, you had to sort of get emotional, you know, like you hit a person, and like you'd feel a certain way about hitting a person, and that feeling would be bad. <laughs> You know, what was your reason for your TAC? Were you drunk driving? Were you speeding to get to Christmas? Or, oh, oh, wow. texting. There you go. Yeah. Listeners, don't, don't text and drive. Don't text and drive. But I did a take, you know, and I was kind of like emotional. I was kind of like in it, like pretending to have killed someone. 
and I put my finger over my mouth, but my index finger was resting like where my upper lip was. And they're like, cut. Yeah, good. Okay. And then the director goes, hey man, um, like the acting was good, but it kind of looks like you're doing a tiny little mustache when you, when you put your finger like that. And I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> and like, it's hard to stay in that moment and then just go, oh yeah, that looked weird. You know, because it, it is a picture and sometimes you do weird stuff. Mm. So it's, you learn from everything and you've got to, you got to just try to not have an ego. It's hard though. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's, the, it's the ultimate balance. Like you have to be confident enough to, to know that you could do it, but then humble enough that when you don't get it, it doesn't destroy you. Yeah, it's a real balancing act. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know how you could yo-yo with your emotions yeah. like that as an actor. That's very most, most actors are insecure little snowflakes and, you know, they have to sort of convince everyone that they're the shit without looking cocky. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, like acting like you don't care as much when you're like, I really well, fuck, I want this job, man. Yeah. Like, but so, you're like, so yeah, when it's you, cool. When you meet some actors, you're like, you're an actor. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not a real person. Like oh. you meet them and, and I'm like, you've like never worked in a bar before or you, you've you never, you just, you're just this weird actor alien. Some of them are like aliens. Yeah. Like they're so within that space of actor world. Yeah. Yeah. Kisses and calling everyone babe and networking. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to. Uh, the self-hate. Yeah. How many <laughs> listeners have you got? Is this good? Yeah. Cause I'm going <laughs> to. I'm talking myself out of the industry. <laughs> nah, it's fine. I don't have any casting directors who listen, so you don't have to stress about that. Oh, that's cool. I don't know me anyway. Maybe you could just run through a couple of little like um, promos at the end of different voices or like any, you know, like any um, accents or something. You know, what do you need to do when you're <laughs> like the equivalent of the Tobias Fionke with like the four different <laughs> outfits? <laughs> so we're back. We're back from a little break. Uh, I want to want to hear a little bit more of the career timeline. So let's run through some Doug lines like. <laughs> Big moment. This is your life moment. I'm laughing because you know? my career is so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, like we, we had uh, the last episode was Alex, who's been doing comedy for only a couple of years. Like, I have you, more of a career in bartending than acting. <laughs> but isn't that most actors though? Like, you yeah. know, like you said, it's that two people of the two percent yeah. of the two. You know, like you know, I, I you're wish, still in it. You're still acting. You're still going to auditions. Like, I wish I knew that I had. Because I started bartending because I was like, yeah, you know, I need, I, need time for, uh, I need time for acting. So, you know, I need to work nights. And the reality is that you can be a full-time doctor and have just as much time for the, the amount of acting work that you are getting. Ken Jong. Ken Jong. <laughs> like, you can pursue any other full-time, full-blown career and the time that you will need to act can work around that mm. until it can't, like... But still sticking it out. So what do you do for a day job? Like, because that's the tricky thing. Like, this would be one of those jobs where you'd have to have jobs that have to have flexibility in case you got an audition or in case yes. you get a call back or something. Yeah, like, and the the audition thing, it's like, um, you know, you can get a call on the day and be like, hey, uh, at two o'clock, can you be in St Kilda for an audition? Or um, you have a self-test due tomorrow. So yeah, flexibility is important i do um conflict resolution role plays which is acting um and is very fun and you basically just shout at nice people 
trying to ha- trying to go to work <laughs> that um a lot of like community health workers so they'll do like a uh, a conflict resolution course and this ex-police negotiator he teaches them how to you know de-escalate de-escalate or get out of a room safely <laughs> when someone's losing their mind um, and then, so they learn that and then he brings on actors to just absolutely just yell at them. <laughs> so what so, kind of prep do you do for that kind of role? I catch the train. <laughs> like, absolutely zero. Cause you don't know what's, you don't know what it is, but the most fun ones have been for the zoo. So the zoo deals with a lot of public, you know, and during, uh, jazzy COVID times, you know, a lot of the public can be pretty difficult to deal with. So I had to, um, play the role of someone that didn't want to wear a mask in the lemur enclosure because I don't know if you've been to the zoo the lemur enclosure is incredibly cool because they can run around you they can like run right up to you oh whoa the, the lemurs have like free reign but lemurs can catch covid cuz they're kind of like monkey monkey cats or something wow i don't know what a lemur is M- monkey Kind I'm, of, kind of a monkey. I don't even know what a lemur. I'm think I'm picturing the Madagascar little thing. It's kind of like it's like a grey and black looking rat type monkey thing. Yeah, has it's, it got a stripy tail? Yeah, it's like a skinny raccoon. Yeah, but with more energy. Cool. And less rabies. And they can climb on you at the zoo in Melbourne. Yeah, they just they amazing. You, you go into this room. It's like big room. Like the butterfly enclosure has gotten so of. much cooler. Yes, it's kind of like that. It's it's an enclosure. And they can run up to you. So they want people to wear masks so their animals don't get COVID. Mm-hmm. And they have to tell people this sometimes and people don't want to deal that. So then I had to just yell it and just go, what do you mean lemurs can get fucking COVID? I've never heard of a fucking stupid thing in my life. And these poor workers had to sort of go, well, you know, in fact, they can get COVID. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what, I, that's what I do for a day job. Amazing. It's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, and then you're yeah. like doing a bunch of self tapes and you're just kind of like always at that grind like how often that's i've got another thing here um uh prep so like how much prep would you need to do like you said when it's a tv thing and you just got to look at something and smile do you practice that still like do you practice those little acting actions that are even might seem simple yeah so this morning um you know i had one where uh you know, it was a, just a bunch of different looks. I think I was on like a FaceTime call or something. I had to pretend to be. And the director usually wants to see, you know, if it's like a 15 second piece, there's like maybe three different things that that actor does. They look over there, they react to this, they do this. So yeah, you practice that and then you roll on one. And then you watch it back. And if it's good enough, it's not going to get better. So it's it's usually it's good enough because if I keep doing it, it's not going to get better. And realistically, they just want to see your face. They just want to see if you've got the look. Exactly. If you've got enough life experience in those eyes. Exactly. Like I got replaced. Like I auditioned for a, uh, it was a car ad. And I was meant to be like the mate in the back seat. I didn't get the job. And they put a dog in the back seat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the industry isn't fair, or you know, you've once you once you sort of like 
um, you're at peace with how like f- fucked this industry is that you could be replaced by a dog because it's cheaper. <laughs> Or like a real person. This is a big thing now. They want real people because they don't have to pay them the same rates. Oh, really? So if they want like a real tradie, they're not paying that person the proper acting rates. Huh. So, you know. But the authenticity though, you get potentially. I don't, yeah. Look, you know, I, I, yeah. So, yeah, like, look, every every industry's kind of messy, but you just kind of... Like, if you're making money off acting, it's really, you're getting away with... You're getting away with a lot there. Yeah. You know, people work a lot harder and do more important things for society and money than what we do. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> it's nice that you can kind of look outside yourself for that and see it in that way, but at the same time, like, you know... You must. What is it? What is it about you? What is it about it that uh, that draws you to it all this time? Like you said, you were over in New York, and you kind of had that moment where you're like, maybe I should act again. Like, what was that moment where you were like, I'm going to give this a proper crack. Like, I'm going to have. A, like, I'm going to. Was it an acting class, or was it that kind of intensive twelve week thing, or was no? It- that was that was just meeting that person and realizing that maybe I could do this because mm. I had someone to compare myself with that was of the same age and you know was from from New Zealand yeah um why do I still do it um it's kind of the only thing that I've ever been interested in and sometimes good enough to get more work like you know during during lockdown I'd definitely thought this was the stupidest decision i've ever made <laughs> you know i was like i'm an idiot so I, I tried to look at all the you know all the classes and different i'm, I'm really interested in how people found their vocation because i don't think i ever did you know I'm, I'm i'm really surprised that people graduate school you know as a 17 year old or whatever and just go yeah i want to be an engineer yeah because when i was 17 i just wanted to meet dave grohl <laughs> that was it they were like my that was my goal like and get drunk like it wasn't you know i don't know how people just go i'm gonna do commerce law and then i'm gonna work for a bank and blah 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 and yeah then they graduate and they're like 20 i don't know like 22 years old and they're like yes yeah, so i'm gonna climb the corporate hierarchy when i was 22 i just wanted to get drunk had you met Dave Grohl yet? Have you met Dave Grohl? I, well, I wouldn't say I've met Dave Grohl, but I, I got an autograph from him at, uh, I went to live at the chapel. Remember cold live at the chapel? Chapel on chapel? So <laughs> I, a, I, do, I a, do remember cold. A friend cold of mine in year 12, he got, it, he got two tickets through like the Herald Sun and I sat like front row at live at the chapel. Didn't it have the, 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 uh, the, the logo of that beer wasn't it kind of like a frost? Cold, what do you call it? Carlton Cold. Yeah, wasn't it like a that snowflake kind of thing? Uh-huh. It didn't have snowflake lighting at that on that set of that stage. It, for it those. wasn't. It wasn't that one, but I think it was just called Live at the Chapel. I don't think Carlton Cold was a sponsor. Uh, but I made my own Foo Fighters shirt, and this, wow. is, this is how bad it was. It said, "Will work for Foo." 
and I sat in the front row like a dickhead. <laughs> like the biggest loser. Do you still have that shirt? Did he sign the shirt? What did he sign of yours when you... No, I, I got him to sign the first album. Yeah. Where's uh, that now? Is it, in a, is it in a special place? Yeah, it's in my mum's garage with all my other CDs. <laughs> <laughs> right? Where are your CDs? Uh, they're in one of those tubs stashed yeah, over a, there. Yeah, they're in a tub. Yeah. I don't have many. No, I've, yeah, I've only got a couple. I've got a signed, I think I've got like a signed municipal waste one in there somewhere when we met them at Utopia. Same deal. Someone, I remember it was hilarious. That The story of that whole signing was someone brought a sandwich press because they wanted to have a sandwich with municipal taste. And it was like oh my God. the band and everyone in Utopia thought it was really funny. Uh, and that's that thing that you, it's like, that's that moment. It's like, hey, they signed my thing. It was really cool. Like, you know. That's it, was, it was really, I, I, like, I don't know, meeting, meeting him, I felt like an idiot. I, I, after because got, of the custom shirt? Like, should you have just worn a regular shirt? I, look, I definitely should have just worn a regular shirt. But um, just that hero worship. And then you meet them and they're real people and you're like, oh, I'm so lame. Like, that's just some dude. That's just some guy that got in a minivan. <laughs> let's, let's take this full circle because off mic, we were talking about how you got recognized. Tell us about the story. <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I've, done, got him. I've done one TV show. All right? But man, that's pr- you've done a TV show that's got three seasons. That's crazy. Like, you've been on TV. Yeah, that's the goal. You've done it. <laughs> but I'm I'm Yeah, you've been on Netflix like that you people have seen you across like, you know. Sure, but I'm incredibly small potatoes here. <laughs> like I am definitely not, you know. I hate to tell you this man, but I'm not a draw for your podcast. <laughs> like we're friends and I love you and it's really nice to be here, but no one's tuning in for me. <laughs> I was hoping this was going to get me some SAG buzz or something. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's, we can get you on the next season of White now, Lotus, dude. Yeah, God. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, like when the show came out, I got we all got recognized. Um, the the girls definitely got a lot more followers on Instagram for, from some questionable people. Um Another yeah. trapping of fame. There you go. It was it was weird. Yeah, there was some like show me your feet sort of type stuff. I think. Whoa, yeah. Because the internet's a nightmare. It really is. <laughs> but what about you? Tell us about this time. You, the, there, there was a there was a there was a recognition <laughs> of your efforts. Yeah, sure. Well, the, there was the, yes. Yeah, so it look. I am not famous remotely so getting (laughs) getting recognized was really cool like it really pumped up my tires and it feels great right if you're like a proper famous person i guess it would be a pain in the ass but yeah i'm not gonna lie it felt fucking great (laughs) i was like on i was on shift i was working at howler and um 360 was playing the rapper and he was signing autographs after the show, right? So there was a big line in the band room. House lights were up. 360 was at one end. There's a big line of kids. And I'm standing there with like, um, you know, headset and stuff because I'm managing the venue. And this kid left the line and asked me for a photograph. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. And then I had I had to stand there in the middle of the room while like, 
400 people just stared at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and that was the time because last, last guest, our Alex, who was on, he told a story about how he's been recognized one time as well. And I think that's enough. Like, I think that's, if you've been recognized for your skills or talents or whatever, at least one time, that's like pretty oh, incredible, right? I had a kid freak out at the dog park. I was, I was, I was walking my friend. <laughs> so there's two, you've been recognized twice. No, more, more than that. Like, you know, when the when the show came out, like people were watching it, and you know, you'd walk down the street and get recognized, which wow. which felt fucking great. I look, I am no better than anyone else. It's cool. It's nice. I didn't think it was real. You know, I didn't think I was famous, but I'm like, this is a nice feeling. So, you would you do that <laughs> thing where, like, if someone yells out, they're like, hey, like, what? How how does that happen? They're like, hey, I know you, or I see you on TV. And then do you think, wait, oh, I like, put my behind, no, like, yeah, I put my sunglasses on and tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, I really wanted to live that like famous life. You know, yes. Um, no, I was always like, thank you so much for watching the show. You know, thank you so much for watching the show. There's a million TV shows out there. And people like watched our thing. You know, I like it, but you know, you've got options. Mm. And so for somebody to w- sit down and watch Rostered On, I was like, thanks, man. You want a photo? Sure. But there's this, this kid at the, like I was walking my friend's dog and he was standing next to me and he just did this massive double. So he's like, whoa, what are you doing here? I'm like, um, I'm house sitting for a friend. Um, I don't live in North Melbourne actually, but, uh, and he, he, was, he was just free he couldn't he couldn't get his head around it he's like what are you doing i'm like mate if you knew how oh like he thought you would be in some mansion or something like yeah he thought it was like which i get but i'm like man i drive like like a 30 year old toyota echo <laughs> like i am which which is funny because you see people on telly and you're like oh they must like live a certain way but <laughs> i just had to sort of go Oh, you know, I'm just just walking a dog, man. Like, I didn't want to completely burst his bubble and just like, oh, it's for a role. I'm uh... yeah, I'm doing research. <laughs> yeah, I'm going full method. But I I, I wanted to be like, ah, oh, thanks so much. It's really nice, but not like actually let him know how much of a piece of shit I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, not for not for me, but for him, you know. Yeah, you um, want to keep it alive for them. But he he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't get over it. But uh, I don't know. Do you do you go up to famous people? Um, yeah. You said good day to the bass player from Turnstile. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, when but you, you like, just kept walking. Yeah. You like great show, and you keep walking because you yeah. don't know this person. Exactly. You just want to. I think in that instance, yeah, you recognize. You'd be like, hey, good show. Thanks. It was, awesome. a, gra- it was a great yeah. show. But like, if you, you saw that, tight, that whole f- yeah, it was sick. If you saw like... Uh, I talked to Neil Gaiman. That's someone... I think we've talked about that on the podcast before. Like when I saw Neil Gaiman, I was like... I'm like just on the street? No, nah, he was... Uh, we were about to go into the Russell Brand show at the big theatre. And I saw him and I was like, oh, of course I'm going to go talk to Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was he cool? Yeah, he was super fucking cool. As you would imagine, you know, like... But I think he's at that level where it's like... I heard he left his family and moved to New Zealand. Yeah. With that, Amanda Palmer from the Dresden Dolls. Yeah, but like left... I think his kids were older. I think like... Okay. I don't know. Like, I think he's got like... Because I think he was writing about one of the kids in like image books in the 90s or whatever when he was reading comics. So that's probably like a good 20 years ago. So I think he started a new family. Oh, okay. But then I think I that... Like, but then I think that Amanda Palmer like posted on her 
Patreon or Kickstarter or whatever that like she was leaving him and he like he didn't know about it until oh, okay. like oh, she well, told yeah. her fans before she told her husband hey, that look, was split or something. I don't know these people, but but man, he's got Netflix money, man. Now. Let's like, just say fans, Neil Gaiman's still cool. He's still cool, but if he does get cancelled, I I don't know him and I don't support. <laughs> I I don't think you can separate the art from the person. I want that to be. Uh, acknowledged. <laughs> I don't listen to Louis C.K. anymore. <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't watch his shit anymore. I won't. And definitely not Michael Jackson. How can you listen to Michael Jackson? You can't. Really? Have you not seen that documentary? Oh, God. We've still got Michael Jackson mugs in the kitchen. Wow. Yeah, that's. um. Look, I don't know. Look, this is a funny thing. Pre. This podcast existing before Alex and you, <laughs> cancellation was not a worry for everything that you say. Now it's like there's a fucking minefield in every episode. I'm just going over like, fuck, what have I said? <laughs> the acting industry is terrible and... Uh, I'll give you... you can, I'll send it to you first. We can cut out anything as well if you need. Oh God, no, I that. totally don't care. You don't care? No. I'm, I'll give I'm you that not, I'm not... I'm not famous. <laughs> like, it doesn't like... Like I don't. That <laughs> sounds like something Shia LaBeouf would write on a paper bag and stick over his head. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not famous anymore, but here's me on a red carpet making a spectacle of myself. Oh my God. Yeah, that guy. Like actors are weird. That's a weird guy. You got to put yourself in a weird place though, like to do this gig. You do. And like on, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the trick of it. And, and going back to sort of shitting on method acting, if you can like, turn on the waterworks and mm. then turn them off that's fun because you're like I just did something that's that's you know that's that's kind of a cool magic trick yeah. um, so that's that's what I enjoy about it I, and the most thing the, the best thing I enjoy about acting is collaborating with people on set I liked how you already said that before you talked about the team playerness of it all because it's, it's like so yeah, fun you it's, are just one tiny part in, in, a, in a giant machine you know like yeah. the cameras all might be on you but like you know yeah. Below the line, there's there's people running around, you know, like, and that's cool that you're thinking about that as well as part of the process. And like messing with the crew and just having, it's it's fun, and you're trying to problem solve and you're trying to come up with ideas, and it's really not about sort of standing there and having everyone pay attention to you. I think that's probably my favorite part about set as well is that you're exactly right. Like everyone's there, and then everyone will adapt. Like because I feel like the schedule that you've got for that day is probably going to blow out the moment you get there totally yeah and everything's going to change and then you're exactly right how do we problem solve how do we all work together to like oh how can we run a cable here or what are we going to do if we run out of mics or what like yeah there's just always a crisis yeah it's always a crisis yeah everything always happens to get done and everyone you know most times if it's a good set you know you leave with a smile on your face you know like I, you're not mad know. at people like it's crazy i don't know how directors do it like i don't like you're constantly being asked questions. It's all down to you. Like I'm glad to be a little cog because that looks fucking stressful. And it's expensive too. Like if you fuck up, like you cost them money. Like, yeah. And the buck stops with you. Like man. the bloopers, like in, in like rostered on season one and two, there weren't really bloopers because we didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> so when I watch like Parks and Rec and stuff, it's cool because they have the money for to be able to, you know, crack on set. But like, I, I hadn't, I like, I never would break. I would, you know, cause you, you don't want to, you don't want to like 
fuck up a take and then look at the grip who's just been there since 4 a.m. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, can this fucking show pony get it right? <laughs> how much how much judgment do you think you get from the crew while you are acting? Like, do, is that something you have to block out? Is that is Christian Bale getting mad at the lighting guy real? You know? Like, yeah, no, that- I totally empathize with Christian Bale cracking this. Sh- I mean, he shouldn't have like... I love sh- how everyone else is like shitty on everyone else. Like, Christian Bale though, he's a fucking weapon. Yeah, and you should, you should absolutely verbally abuse people on, on in, a, in a business environment. No, I do empathize with him, but he definitely shouldn't have like yelled at that guy. That's super shitty thing. But when you are trying to like you know, you're doing something really dumb, you know, and you have to convince yourself that it's, it's real. Like that's a very silly thing. Mm. So you have to kind of take this very silly thing very seriously to sort of like do a trick your mind. Um, and that's where paying attention to the other person is your savior. Mm. Because if you pay attention to the person that you're acting with, the entire world around that, doesn't even come into it um and we were taught that it was called in meisner it's called public solitude so for one exercise we had to get emotional in public by ourselves all right so sit on a park bench in the middle of the city or something and just cry whoa so you have to just imagine stuff that makes you sad and then just cry around all these people so if you can do that you're not um, you're not self-conscious. So, you know, it's hard hard to do. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Because th- you're being mic'd up, you're having makeup put on you, and the whole time you're like killing off your entire family in your head. <laughs> or like this happened to me on the TAC set. Some The guys were like setting up the grips and they were doing like Simpsons quotes. And I'm sitting in the car going, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies. To try and like G myself up to like be sad, and he, and he's doing like yeah, Ralph Wiggum or something, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, this is so hard to stay in it. <laughs> so what? Because there, there'd be some key distinct moments. So there'd be like the in the TAC ad, there's the unknowing jerk doing the texting, yeah, and then there's the crash moment. Like, are you in it? Is there like a stunt thing, or are you in like a shaking I, car? I did or? a stunt. Yeah, yeah. So I had to drive over like these. Um, these sandbags that were kind of filled with like metal ball bearings. And I had, was that supposed to simulate driving into someone? A person. Yeah. That was the bump. And I had to drive at that at like 30 Ks an hour and drive at the, uh, camera. And then the stunt guy was like, um, break just before you hit this witch's hat, which was in front of the camera. And what he would do is, every take he would move the witch's hat closer to the car. So my breaking point got shorter and shorter to elicit a reaction of like, oh fuck, out of me. And the take they used, I go, shit, really loud. And the director's like, that was such a good take. It's a pity that you said shit. I'm like, yeah. So when you see that TAC ad, I I mouthed shit, but they just take the audio out. And he's like, dude, we didn't get a better take out of you than the one that you like swore. I'm like, well, it's kind of real. I thought I was hitting the camera. Yeah, I was in the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I've really fucked this up. So, 
And then is there like, do you get out as well? And are you bloodied? And then you see like the dead person or like what happens? What's the, what's the finale of that? Do the cops show up? Is there like... No, so, so I, I, hit the, <laughs> I hit the person and then there's a reaction of me just... Uh, Swearing without sounds. Yeah, well, this is what my friends made fun of me for like the next six years is, you know, in the moment I kind of went, oh, like that. You know, I put my hand to my <laughs> mouth and went, oh. So, you know, and I was like, man, this is really good acting. It was really emotional. But then all of my mates just came up to me and they're like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, cool. All right. Great. That, that to this day is the thing that they, they introduced me to new people. I'm like, this is Doug. He was in a TAC ad. <laughs> and I'm like, I was on Netflix too, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. They haven't even fucking watched the show. <laughs> Oh man, oh that's great. Um, anyway, I think it's probably about time we can wrap this thing up, man. Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, is there anything upcoming that's coming up, or anything you're excited about that we could talk about? Is there anything? Yeah, look, I'll pl- I'll plug the improv theater that I'm yes. part of because um, I think it's I think it's a really good night out. I think the show's really funny. It's called the Improv Conspiracy, um, and it's above, uh, well, it's below Loop Rooftop, and they do shows Thursday to Sunday. Um. Yeah, so I reckon everyone should check that out. I'm there performing on Thursdays. Uh, that's about it. I don't really think I have anything coming up, to be honest. No. We'll get the casting directors listening to this. They'll look at the Instagram picture and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I could see him as I could put him. I could put him in, <laughs> in Mate, a, a TV uh, commercial." Yeah, as a young dad that isn't old enough, doesn't look old enough to be a dad. <laughs> Yeah. You guess you could always um Yeah, I don't know. What what do you need what do you need to do in that moment? What's the I think if man, if I gained like if I gained like thirty kilograms <laughs> and grew a beard, I'd be in the money. I had a I had a mustache for a bit and I got so many commercials off being the mate with a mustache. Whoa. Yeah. They just want like quirky, interesting looking people and I look like every cis white brunette guy that says I want to be an actor like that is <laughs> I look like every guy so we'll look forward to seeing your new role with some wild facial hair or like a new a new do some kind of some kind of new attitude or maybe I could be a serial killer because they all look like really boring right oh I've got the glasses for them as well it's always it, like the it, guy it just, next door yeah I just blend into everything maybe I could be that guy yeah yeah, we'll get you sorted. We'll get we'll get you some new headshots sorted. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's typecast me for life. Please. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Doug. I really appreciate you taking the time and coming in and uh, opening up about the craft of acting. I found it very fascinating, really. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure. Hey, welcome to the new... <laughs> Welcome to the Post Ramble. Again, not a whole lot to say this week. Not really sure what uh, I need to say, but I would just like to thank everyone who sent me a message uh, after the Alex Keane episode. That was really nice to hear from people that were excited that the show was back, and it meant a lot. So thank you very much. Um, Hope you enjoyed this episode just as much. Another episode coming very soon, and uh, I don't think I've got any others really locked in after that, so there might be a bit of a break, but we'll see if we can get them all lined up nice. I'll see if I can get some more people in. It's been fun to do this again, so I hope you guys are enjoying the new episodes, and I hope everyone's well out there. Cheers.